Welcome back to the One Two Kentucky Blue Podcast. I am your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My guest today is Taylor Tazinski. Taylor is one of our sports dietitians here at Kentucky. We have a great conversation. Now, if you looked at it, you're going to see that it's a long one, but I promise it's a good one. We talk through Taylor's career path, the educational content she goes over with our student athletes, and some of the struggles that face registered dietitians today. Like always, I hope you enjoy our conversation. But I wanted to start off with just to make sure because everything moves so fast in college athletics. So I want to make sure that you are the one saying it. But what is your official job title here at Kentucky? My official job title is a sports dietitian at UK, and I work with uh, men's and women's basketball, volleyball, and then I will soon oversee rifle and stunt once our our graduate assistants roll off. Gotcha, gotcha. And let's talk about your education. So where did you get your bachelor's degree, master's degree? So I actually have two bachelors. I received my first bachelor's in psychology from Albion College small school in Michigan that nobody's ever heard of. (laughs) Um, And then I received my second bachelor's from Kentucky in nutrition and then master's of business administration from Kentucky as well. So let's go back to your, your first bachelor's degree. What did you think you wanted to do with your life with a, a degree in psychology? Well, I wanted to do something in the med field. Like actually before going to school, I actually visited um, the university of Louisville for their dentistry program. I don't know why I thought I'd want to be a dentist, but apparently they had a good program. And my family, my mom's sister moved to Louisville and we had like come to Kentucky as like our little weekend getaway a few times a year. So I was like, oh, that'd be fun to kind of get away from Michigan, but, um, you know, be in a a place close to close to family. Um, And I ended up going to Albion to play softball. I played for one year um, at Albion um, College. And then Decided to do psych because it was kind of like a broad um, major to that could, you know, apply to any of the really like medical routes I kind of wanted to go in. And that was like occupational therapy or um, PT. And I didn't know I didn't know anything about sports nutrition or even a registered dietitian really until my senior year. And that's when I took a sports nutrition class. And I was like, oh, OK, food and sports. Great. Like I'm <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, I didn't really know what the pathway like consisted of, of like, you know, getting your credential, but um, that was, that's kind of where that led me. And then I took a year off before coming to Kentucky, just worked at home um, and then found, found different programs. And I knew that Kentucky had a sports program like affiliated with the nutrition department. And that's why I decided to come here. That's funny because oftentimes, and you know, whether it was Coach DeVrent when I think he was on our second episode of this podcast, like he knew he wanted to be a strength coach, like even in high school. Yeah. But I was somewhat like you, where my I or I originally went to school and my major was criminal justice. I oh, thought wow. I wanted to be in law enforcement, and I often say that I quickly found out that I, I did not want to do that. Mm-hmm. And there was a period of time where I was kind of in limbo, but similar to you, like I had a thought, it didn't really pan out or I found something else. And, you know, you found um, nutrition, I found strength and conditioning. So that's always cool to, to hear everybody's story on yeah. how they got where they are. I think too, it's just like, I mean, you, you feel these pressures, whether 
whether, I mean, maybe family related or not, but, you know, and watching your peers and stuff know what they want to do, or, you know, you're 18 years old, you're still, you're still so young. And just to have to make the decision for the rest of your life, not that you couldn't change either later, yeah. but it but is. Sometimes you feel like that, like you're making the decision for the rest of your life when you're 18, 19 years old. Yes. Yes. So yeah. And I had no idea. I know when I came, it was funny too, because when I came to Kentucky to do the nutrition program, so many of the people in my, I would say, I would say 75, 25, 75% were traditional undergraduate students who really like they wanted to be an RD and they knew it. And then the 25% of us, which was cool because I was like, oh man, I'm in, I'm in organic chemistry again at 23. And these with some 18 year olds and not that like, that's a big deal, but I just felt out of place and like, like, oh, and I'm doing this again. But then I met people once I got into the program that were like me. And I do think a lot of people in, um, in dietetics or in sports specifically kind of take that non-traditional route. Yeah. Um, so that was like nice and comforting to, to learn once you're in it. <laughs> and I do want to get into, you know, the, the path that someone needs to take to become a sports dietitian or to get into dietetics. But let's talk about your path specifically. So you got your first bachelor's degree, you got your second bachelor's degree, then talk through like, because I've known you for a long time. And yeah. you've only been full time at Kentucky since what, when did we hire you on full time? October, October of 2022. And now it's it's beginning of May 2023. But mm -hmm. talk through your career path from coming to Kentucky as a, you know, um, someone that was getting your second bachelor's degree, just talk through your experience. Sure. Um, so second bachelor's, yes. And the, so I found out about the sports program and our, the, the nutrition program here works with our director of nutrition in the athletic department, um, to basically get, you know, experience in sports. And as you know, too, with strength and conditioning, it's similar to athletic training. It's like, you have to have experience in that because really it's a lifestyle that you're choosing. And I think some people think that it's, you know, this glamorous thing. Well, we're, we're washing dirty grapes and making PB and J's every day. Like <laughs> there's a lot to it that people don't see. Um, a lot of food service related stuff too, that like don't really get promoted when going into this position that you might not enjoy as part of your job. But so I started um, in 2016 as a student, and then I started working with Monica 2017, that that January. And that's when, and direct, Monica's the director of nutrition here at UK, um, but that's when the kitchen opened. And so, you know, as you know, too, the kitchen is the only one in college sports. So it's our, you know, cooking lab. Um, and I think you know, I had many years of experience in food service. Um, I started working when I was like 13 in restaurants. And um, so something that was like always a big part of my life. And I think just understanding the grind too of that, that work. Um, but I came in. What were you doing 13 years old? I know it's terrible under the table. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> what were you doing? Um, I was busing tables. Were you? <laughs> Yep. And then at I became, what an Applebee's at a nice restaurant, a barbecue. A, it's a nice restaurant back home. Yeah. It's um my mom actually worked there. So I would gotcha. go bus tables and host. And um it's like a fine dining um restaurant in southwest Michigan. Well, that's Best prime rib. Taylor. I did not yeah. know that, but that's awesome. 13 year old yeah. you. Yeah. And Great. I was a fry cook at one point. I did I have done a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know you have. 
<laughs> um, so get back to your story. Sorry. Yeah, no. So, so we, uh, so I would, you know, I'd come in and volunteer um, through the semester and that's kind of how the program um, was. And and then that year, that semester, they had enough money to budget for like a student manager position and I applied for it. And honestly, I didn't think that I was going to get it just because there had also been so many students there that had worked with Monica for so long and, mm-hmm. you know, her and the graduate assistants, you know, the staff didn't know me, but I was fortunate enough to get it, which was awesome. Um, and that's kind of what just spiraled this whole process or this whole, I guess, situation of me, like being in state, I, mean, I stayed in sports since, you know, since then. So then it moved from student manager position basically to like, um, like an undergraduate assistant, I guess you could call it because I would get a stipend for scholarship. And then that moved into, um, I ended up staying on as a graduate assistant to do my master's. So years and years of experience in, at least in the environment, right. Not necessarily, not as a sports dietitian, but in the sports world. Um, and then, you know, communicating with the OPT staff and, you know, all that stuff. So I think that that goes such a long way when it comes to um, trying to get your name in for sports, because otherwise, like there aren't a lot of programs there aren't a lot of nutrition programs that also have a sports related um, or relationship. So um, UK is really fortunate to at least have, have that. And we, you know, have a lot of awesome student volunteers, but um, to kind of get back to the question, sorry, I'm talking in circles. So to become a dietitian, you have to do um, so like your required coursework through the university. So the science classes and things like that, your general, you know, your basics, and then you get into what's called upper division, or at least that's what it's called here. And that's your like your major coursework. So um, things from medical nutrition therapy to nutritional biochemistry to, you know, cooking in a food lab and learning like qualities and or quantity and stuff in food production. So um, required coursework for that. And then from there, um, so there's actually been so many changes since I've I've been out of it because from there, you would go into your internship. You'd either be selected in a coordinated program, which Kentucky did have, and I actually didn't get into it. Um, so I just put my head back down and, and grinded away. Um, and then, or you apply to a dietetic internship, which is essentially like um, the easiest way to put it is like when you are joining a sorority or a fraternity and you like preference the house or whatever, oh, yeah. like that's they preference you and you preference them. So, and it's all, you rank them and that's kind of how you get filtered into, mm. and it's, it's really competitive. Like a, when I was applying, it was like a 45% match rate. So some people don't even get, get chosen their first round. And, and that could be anywhere in the country. Yes. Wow. And that's, and it's, there's only certain times of the year that they take um, interns too. So there's like a spring and a fall match. So pretty competitive. Um, but now, so. So what I chose to do was to actually get my master's before the internship, um, which worked out really well for me. Um, And I always, you know, promote getting your master's and stuff and just, you know, more education. But um, our profession is changing kind of like how athletic training did in the last few years where you have to get your master's first before or you can do it with your internship, but you have to have your master's before you sit down for the exam to be credentialed. So. Um, and then, so yeah, you go through a minimum of 1200 hours and 
mine, the way UK is set up, it was uh, 10 weeks of clinical nutrition, 10 weeks of food service nutrition, and then seven weeks of community. Now break that down. So 10 weeks of clinical nutrition, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Like, what does that entail? So you are in a hospital or in some type of um, like maybe long-term care, um, outpatient setting, and um, you're shadowing the dietitians and, and that's, um, you know, there are, there are food service dietitians within hospitals, but also clinical. So, um, you, you have a set list of patients that you do rounds on and you're a mm. part of also like a, you know, an OPT interdisciplinary team where yeah. you, you know, collaborate with nurses, doctors, um, social work, uh, speech, speech, uh, pathology was actually huge for, for dietitians. That's like, they're kind of like close to their number one um, person, because, you know, if maybe a patient's difficulty swallowing, then what, then we have to change the type of diet that they're on. And yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah. So 10 weeks of clinical, what was, what were the other two? 10 weeks of food service. Um, so that could also be in a hospital or a school system. Um, trying to think, I mean, like, you know, like product, big, large production. Yeah, yeah. Um, of food. So I was with Fayette County Public Schools here in Lexington, which was cool. Yeah. Um, really opened my eyes to what the, the I mean, really, it's a challenging position to be in. Um, and we want to, you know, keep our, our kids fed. So um, that was an interesting experience. And then I did my community, which was community nutrition for seven weeks at the University of Louisville Athletics. So yeah. that was cool to see another program. So really great experiences. This is me asking, but like, that's what you have to do become an RD. You can't just say, I want to be a sports dietitian. I do not need this experience in the clinical setting. You, everybody has to go through these, these yes. steps. Yeah. That's, that's to get to the credential, yep, get the credential and then pass the exam. Yeah. Um, yeah. So each, each like internship is um, accredited through our like governing body um, and then pass the exam, which is also um you, you know approved questions that are you know made by rds and you know whatever it was it was difficult <laughs> yeah um but yes you have to do all of that before you can become a dietitian registered dietitian and then sports that's just like there are there are additional certifications you can get like the cssd um like you can do if you might maybe if you're a clinical dietitian you're specializing in diabetes there's certifications for that um so like additional kind of like does the cscs have additional or like levels not, well not really see that that's part of my beef and i know we'll get into it cuz i'm i know i sent you the question of like hey what are some you know overarching issues in your profession and i've yeah. voiced mine in strength and conditioning in quite a few episodes on this podcast and then I was even talking with coach Taylor this morning about some of those same issues, but, you know, as a, um, strength and conditioning profession, we have CSCS, but anybody can take it. So Brie Papato athletic trainer has it. Courtney Jones has it. You just have to have a bachelor's degree and you yeah. read the book, you take it. And then all of a sudden you're considered a, um, a certified <laughs> strength and conditioning specialist, as opposed to, you know, the exhausting effort it takes to become an RD um, <laughs> as a strength profession, we don't necessarily have that. But a question I got for you is, so we have our main certifications. We have one through the NSCA, which is the CSCS. And then we have a 
collegiate strength and conditioning coaches association certification as well. That is just for college strength coaches. And those are both accredited. They are um, both considered the gold standard in our profession. But then we got some kind of like crackerjack certifications where you can go get certified in, um, you know, a movement screen or really stuff that is not made up, but it's like you take a weekend course, you yeah. maybe go to a conference and then they give you a certificate and you can say that you're certified. And I'm using air quotes right now. <laughs> the, what you mentioned, like the SCCD, that's a certain, is that the sports dietitian? Yep. Is C- that, yep. is, CSSD, yeah. CSSD, is that considered something that is held in high regards or is it kind of like the Cracker Jack stuff that I was talking about? It's, it's definitely not Cracker Jack. Um, it's so with that it used to be, and I, I truly don't know the requirements now. I thought that it, it previously used to be like a minimum of five years, um, of practicing as yep. a, as a sports dietitian, but I think it's a number of hours now. And I could be, I, I could be completely way off on that, but, but it's it not like, like you a, just sign up and you got to show up and I yeah. know like you, you go through, like you have to get signed off on hours and that sort of stuff. And then you take an exam. That's very difficult. Um, I know actually Rachel uh, Schmetzer, a previous yep. graduate assistant, she just passed it and she said it was one of the hardest tests she's ever taken. Wow. What is she yeah. doing now? She works um, as a tactical dietitian now in um, Seattle. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So still sports, but a little bit less of the um, hour demand. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the same thing with strength and conditioning and going back to my conversation with coach Taylor this morning. Um that's a big thing for strength coaches now. So you kind of go through the grind of being a college strength coach, you get some experience underneath your belt. And then a lot of people are jumping ship from college athletics and going into the tactical setting where they might be stationed at a army Marine base, whatever it might be. You're working 40 hours a week. You get time off, you get weekends off. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Obviously some pros and cons with all of it, but I didn't know they were going the same routes, um, on the nutrition side as well. Yes. Yes. It's very much, um, more, more cushy, I guess you could say. Um, but I, I wanted to touch on your point though, about the Cracker Jack. So we, and I, you know, anybody can also claim that they're a nutritionist by taking that take, you can do the same thing as, as what you were discussing with strength, but, um, you know, there are some state laws there. It's, it is kind of, I don't, in each law, each, each state is different. So like in Kentucky to get your licensure, you have to be an RD, right? Like a, a credentialed, um, RD, and then you're a licensed dietitian and each state has different requirements for that where, so I just had to submit some paperwork but I know, um, I believe it's in Illinois where you actually have to like go back and everything that you've logged from your internship, like signed off papers from your preceptor, you have to get sent like your, your graduation. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like proof of, of, you know, graduating and like oh, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. So some States have different requirements for the licensure and to practice in certain States, you have to be licensed as well. And it yeah. might just depend on like, who you're working for or, or, or whatever, but there, there are people, and this, one of your questions was, um, what was one of the biggest challenges I think of, you know, of taking on this job and as a professional, this, this always comes to mind, but we're fighting against fitness influencers, um, people who are claiming that they're nutritionists who took, you know, maybe just a test or a two hour course in, 
and the basics of nutrition. But, you know, as I think people and in sports, this was also something I was going to touch on that people forget that we are clinical and the basis of our profession is that like clinical nutrition is what, what we are. And then everything on top of it is like, I mean, you know, sports, foods or whatever, whatever route you want to go. But I think that people don't understand and maybe not appreciate that credential or that, you know, the work that we've put in as a profession. Um, and that's, that's one of the most frustrating things as a dietitian, um, because you, they can just claim, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a nutritionist, so I can give you the best advice when, you know, maybe you have someone, a person with diabetes or someone with, you know, gut issues or, you know, something like that, that they don't have that education on to help back them make your, you know, make the best choice for them nutritionally. But I'm going on, I'm circling here. <laughs> no, that's good because you bring things, um, around full circle. Cause I've talked about that before where, I think we struggle in the strength and conditioning profession because somebody, whether they're certified or not, whether they are actually good at what they do in regards to being a strength coach, sometimes falls back on, they might just be really good at lifting. Just because they are strong doesn't mean that they are going to be a good coach. Doesn't mean yeah. that they are going to be able to put together a sound program um, that is going to be able to get the athletes from point A to point B and help achieve their goals and all those sorts of things. So it's, it's good that you said, the you guys have the same struggle, um, on, on the nutrition side as well. I think that like, and even just like going back to, you know, how you might perform in school, right? Like if you, I could be a straight A student, but not understand how to have a, a good conversation with someone or, or, you know, be be open and, you know, have my clients or patients trust me to give them the best advice. And I think, I think that's just, it's just a tough balance. And I think that it does, it stinks for, for our professions, because there are so many people now and the way that the world is like relying on social media and this industry that is just, I don't know, really influencing people's minds. And, and it's, it's hard. It's very hard. Yep. Let's talk about influencing people's minds, because one thing that you've done a really good job of since you've been on staff and really, you know, everything that Monica has established really comes down to educating our athletes on how to fuel themselves properly. Yeah. So let's talk through some of the education that you've done. I, I know I know what you have done with our volleyball team because I've sat in on those meetings. You can mm-hmm. talk through that or even talk through. Um, some of the things you have planned for them in the summer or the stuff that you've done with our basketball teams, but just kind of touch on the education that um, you've done so far or plan on doing in the future. Sure. I think, um, well, one thing that I think that we, as a, as a program here um, that, have, that we've done pretty well with educating is opening that kitchen, you know, like learning, okay, this is, this is, these are foods that you should have in in your apartment or dorm or stuff. Cause we, we purchased them for the cooking lab. Um, but oh gosh, for volleyball, we started off with basically just laying out, you know, most important topics. So let's dive into the macronutrients first, but, and I think, you know, we can, depending on the time, that's the other thing too, like timing of how much of what I can do with them, um, really plays a role into it, but there are super important topics that you can hit on in 30 seconds. Like, Hey, this is, um, this is something really great that you should have before this practice or, or workout, but 
um, discussing, you know, recovery nutrition, like overall um, performance, like plate building, I think are huge topics and very important um, because maybe they're on the road and they're not sure what to eat, but if they have that education, at least, oh, I remember what Taylor was talking about in our, in our education. Um, so stuff like that, I would say um, supplement safety is one that I, that was something I was going to touch on with another question I think that you had, yeah. but something that is huge right now and that I really want to discuss further with teams moving forward. Um, actually, this is kind of off topic, but an RD that I follow, um, she she's a private working dietitian and she said the marketing industry has us believing that our supplement or that our bodies can handle any supplement, but our bodies can't handle a piece of bread. And I just felt like that was like, it's so powerful. <laughs> and it's the truth, you know, because it's like, oh, you know, some of these people get like kickbacks from from just, you know, promoting the supplement. So it's and they're not even credentialed professionals. But anyways, I'm getting off topic. Um, our education, we kind of have come up with like a calendar basically for the year and it and it discuss it breaks down proteins, carbs, um, fats, hydrations, uh, or hydration, vitamins and minerals, um, supplements, like I mentioned, nutrient timing is obviously a huge one. Um, but in the like, and the meal schedule, like you actually had asked me to discuss, that's huge. And, you know, if I were to approach, um, maybe like a person off the street, or if someone came to me and was like, what, what are the five things that I can kind of choose like my new my nutrition principles and it would be okay what's our hydration look like what what does that level look like um what's our meal schedule and I like you had asked I, I just think that's so important especially with the group of or people we're working with it's such a specific population and like truly nothing else like it where they're being pulled to practice and training and treatment and games and then class and then they want to maintain a social life so having a really good schedule is important. Um, so we go, yeah. And then we go through, um, like breaking down those, those, um, topics, like I mentioned, and um, I'm trying to think now you said, what was our, what's our education goal? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think just really, you know, if I can get 15 minutes with my teams, like once a week, then mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I know I'm, I'm doing, doing something right and I think through the summer I'm excited that I'll I'll get the opportunity to have more of that with them um I don't really and like like kind of just like having like having that calendar laid out right and like hit those topics and then really build off of that each year if you know if I have them come back again or or maybe um I mean there's obviously always things changing within our worlds but um the basics I think people can really throw like, or like blow out of proportion. And it's, I think just really honing in on those basics and like having them understand like, Hey, I just need, I need a really good balanced plate, but it, my, my plate is going to look different than his or her plate and not comparing others and that sort of stuff. But sorry, yeah. I was talking in circles. I got out of, no, you're good. <laughs> I think that once a lot of the stuff that you're saying, Taylor comes back to what we talk about as strength coaches as well, where you need 15 minutes, you want to hammer in the basics, mm -hmm. whether it's nutrition, whether it's, you know, if we're talking about recovery, if we're talking about getting stronger, you can go as deep into it as you want. You can get on the molecular level. You can get as fancy. You can come up with a thousand different variations of this one exercise and it makes it look really cool. 
but it comes back to what do the basics look like? Do the student athletes understand it? And are they able to implement the information that you're giving them? Yes. It sounds like it sounds like that's what you're saying. So yes. hydration being key, meal planning being key, and then uh, the way you make your plate look, whether you're trying to maintain, lean, gain weight, that's yes. all very, very simple. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go back to uh, something that you mentioned, the supplement safety. Yeah, no, I wrote that down. And I don't think a lot of people have my mentality, because even when I was an athlete, even a young athlete, I would watch TV, you see the commercials for GNC, um, or whatever um, infomercial was on. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of exactly <laughs> what it was. But I, I, my boys were younger. And this was a few years ago, obviously, but I was here for breakfast. We were watching something on TV. It was like a cartoon commercial came on and it was like, men, do you want to get jacked? Do you want to blah, blah, blah? Do you want to look like this in a bathing suit? And my son was like, Oh, daddy, you need to get that. I'm like, no, what are you? No, this is, they are trying to sell you something. This nice. is not how it works. But I've always had that skeptical mindset when it's come to um, specifically supplements. Mm -hmm. Some of the I don't want you to put anybody on the spot, but what's one of the most off the cuff remarks an athlete has made to you in regards to, hey, I think I need to be taking this because my dad told me or something like that. You know, you have honestly, I haven't, I have, I don't have anything like super crazy. Um, I'm trying to think, um, you know, well, so, you know, like we have a, there's a, I guess, kind of like, I don't know, it's not technically a governing board, a certification. So NSF certified by sport is yeah. what we use. And um, that means simply just means that it's third party tested and it's safe that all of the ingredients that are in there are what's actually in there. Um, trying to think of something that somebody said that was off the wall. Has anybody ever asked to take a, like a supplement and you're just like, no, this is <laughs> like, what? where did you even get this? Um. Gosh, I feel like I somebody's probably said something to me, but I really just like can't recall. Yeah. <laughs> too many, too many yes, examples. Seriously, too many. But, well, but let's I get think, back on supplement safety. What like what's your biggest message to the student athletes as you talk through supplements? Um, well, one, it's like literally the word supplement, right? And it and that's the purpose is to supplement. And I think that, and this also just comes back to kind of like that la the lack of education that we as as a whole society not just here as you know student athletes or you know even our professions but nutrition isn't really implemented into our education system and yeah. that's what's hard um about this but you know usually i just say i i i just question you know like i our goal is just to like kind of pique curiosity right like so okay so just tell me tell me why you you want to take this and what do you think that it will do and then that's kind of when, you know, just having a, a conversation about it and seeing, well, maybe, maybe what if we added this to your diet? You know, for example, like creatine, that's a, that's a big one. And not, it, it is actually very beneficial for athletes in supplementation might, um, I, I do, it, that's one of the supplements that I would like fully support, um, but you can get it through natural, naturally through food sources. Um, so, and like those green powders, oh man. Like, um, the, like the, athletic greens. Is that one of them? It's one of them. And that's one, that's also one that I know, um, you know, sports dietitians will support because it is, 
um, one of the, you know, I guess better on the market, but I know every podcast I listen to is sponsored by athletic yes. greens. Yeah. Cause they're getting money. <laughs> yeah. Wait, maybe take that off the podcast, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they, you know, you can get all of these things through a balanced meal. And like, unless you have maybe some GI issues, um, esophageal, whatever it may be, um, that where you can't either digest certain nutrients or, um, having issues with certain, you know, certain things, but it's, it's just a supplement. And, you know, like we consider, you know, our protein shakes, those are supplementing, right? So, but if you can't get three meals in, oh, it's okay to have, have a protein shake and, but it's not a meal replacement. Um, so just really, I mean, I guess the message would just be that you don't, you most likely don't need it. And let's have a conversation if you think that you do. Um, but yeah, and I definitely I, think as the the nutrition, the Nutter Nutrition Kitchen opened in 2017, mm -hmm. the conversations about supplements on my end have gone down a ton because our yeah. student athletes are able to go to you, go to Monica, any other dietitian over in that space. They're able to get educated uh, with everything that we've already talked about, you know, planning your meals, you know, what your plate should look like. And then they're able to sit down and actually learn how to cook if they don't know how to cook. Yes. So I think that just that action has helped eliminate a lot of the conversations that we used to have in regards to supplements. Mm -hmm. And also the NCAA, and we've talked about this before, the NCAA rules have, have really relaxed in regards to how and when we can feed our student athletes. Cause it used yes. to be back in the day. And I talk with Amber Smith about this all the time when she was playing basketball here, we could give her an apple and a, and bagel, a bagel in a brown plastic or in a brown paper bag, but we weren't able to give her peanut butter or cream cheese to go with that bagel. I mean, and she got a Gatorade shake. Cause that's all we had. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it is crazy. And I do, I do know that um, I think each school kind of, I mean, it's changed greatly. And actually I believe that the legislation came out in November that we could, there really aren't any restrictions now. Um, think in terms of what, you know, how our, how Kentucky did, it was like, Oh, they can have a snack and a meal or mm -hmm. meal incidentally, that, that sort of stuff. But yeah, so we definitely have a lot more to work with, which is good because I think, you know, for us, that's nice because it just shows that it is starting to become more appreciated, um, which is just like, if you really think about it, like just to live, like you need food, yeah. you need food, right? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's crazy, it but it's crazy. Yeah. The, um, this, the nutrition, the Nutter Lab over here has provided a lot of um, really great things for the student athletes. I, I mean, even yes, being fed, but learning those cooking skills and then just being help, holding them accountable and hopefully learning, learning about learning new stuff and stuff that they can take on past being here or as an athlete. So learning how to clean up after themselves. Oh my gosh, I was Sometimes. just in there and there was just the the sinks that are just covered in egg, it's just really disgusting. Oh. <laughs> they clean the dishes, but not the sink. So we're, yeah. it's still a work in progress six yeah. years later. <laughs> six years later. That's funny. Um, so we can, if you got something else that you want to touch on, but you know, the question that I had originally asked, and we've talked about, you know, the fitness influencers and people being nutritionists, but not certified licensed dietitians. Um, that's obviously an issue in your profession and strength and conditioning. I think we have a lot of work to do in regards to standard standardizing our education, similar to what you talked about 
um, yes. with what you need to do to actually become an RD. Athletic training has that same type of um, career path as well. Uh, with strength and conditioning, the NCAA has said that your strength coaches need to be certified, but they don't say which certification that needs to be. So at Kentucky, wow. we say it needs to be either through the NSCA, the CSCS, or through the CSCCA. Um, okay. But other schools can use one of those Cracker Jack uh, certifications that I was alluding to earlier and say, hey, that's good enough. Um, yeah. But what, what else in um, your profession are you seeing that collectively needs to improve on? Well, I think like we're kind of just in that transition phase now where they are, you know, requiring it to be a master's. And I think what's what's hard and just kind of frustrating about it is that it's it's taken us specifically as a profession, but I think it's like taken RDs a really long time to gain the respect of other professions that they work alongside. And because we're seen as, you know, the food fairy or the food police in a more negative term or, um, oh, they that's all they do is food service. So now I think when they change this, which I hope and I think that it will go in that direction where it it's allowing the, you know, these professionals to make more money because we are more educated. But right now, the difference between a, an RD with a bachelor's and an RD with a master's is like, like 0.3 cents or something like that. Like it's not, it's very negligible to like just, so it's just like, oh man, that's kind of like disheartening or, and I, I don't, I think that it will be a better change for us. Um, I guess aside from that, I would say like in the sports world, um, kind of, I guess to go along with that though, too, is kind of establishing that foundation that, you know, we are, we we're technically a medical profession. And I think that doesn't, that's not normally highlighted in this area. And it's because we do a lot with food. Um, but I think we kind of get pushed to the wayside sometimes when things happen with our student athlete population, where we should absolutely be involved in that area. Um, so I think like as, as a, you know, as a sports dietitian in our field, which I know that I'm not saying that that happens all the time or, you know, or whatever, but I yeah. think that's something that, especially as a new RD, I think really, really pushing for that. Like, Hey, I, I do have a lot of clinical or I have a clinical background, knowledge background. Um, maybe it's, you know, somebody's low on vitamin D, you know, like things like that. Like I, I absolutely should be a part of that conversation. Not that I'm diagnosing anything because yeah, I'm not, yeah. but I think that's something that we really struggle with um, because we do get, we cater food. We, you know, we have these fuel bars where we're bagging things. And like a lot of our day-to-day -day work might be mostly food service, but the education piece that we need to relate to our athletes all comes from that background clinical knowledge. Yeah. And um, so I think that's just something, I guess, within sports that I would say, I, and I, I don't know what it's like really at other programs, so I can't speak on that, but I just, um, that's something that I've really tried to work on at least establishing for myself here. Yeah. That's great insight, Taylor. That's awesome. Um, going back and I think this has been great information, but uh, the second question that I had written down that I just skipped over because we just kept things rolling after we got done with the introduction. <laughs> so you're about, uh, six months into your role here at Kentucky. What's something that you were really worried about as you took this position that ended up not being a big deal at all? 
Um, you know, I actually like because I was here for so long <laughs> and I worked, you know, I worked with you guys because you know the strength room's right there next to the lab. So yep. seeing you all and not that I, I didn't think that anybody would do this, but this was just like a thought that maybe stepping into this role as an RD and taking on new responsibilities that um I don't want to say like risk like disrespect or respect, but because I had been here for so long, like it's so hard for people to like when you kind of move up positions in the same place, you know, oh, like gain the respect. Oh, I have a new position and I have different responsibilities. Not that I can't do those things that mm -hmm. I have done previously, but I have that's not my job anymore, if that makes sense. So a lot of what I did before was, you know, like the food service manager um, aspect of the cooking lab. And um not that I, I think I kind of just touched on that a second ago, but not that I don't have food service, you know, aspects of my day to day now, but I think like there's so much more that I have, I have to do now. Um, and I think just like hoping that everybody, my supervisors and peers would respect that and, um, and view me in that light, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it ended yes. up not being a big deal. So that's <laughs> to circle back. Like it was something that I was just worrying about. And they're just like, oh no, like, like it, I, I've never felt that no, that anybody thought that of me, I guess. Yep. It's hard for me to think back now because you were here for such a long time. Then you went to Louisville to finish up your, what, what, what did you do? That, that was your community yep. part of your, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you came back and ever since you got back here last semester and I was thinking about this before we hopped on this zoom recording was, I can't remember when Taylor wasn't here. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so long. it's like you never left. I know. <laughs> it seems like you've had this position forever since you've um, um, been back here since yeah. 2022. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. It was, you know, I think, I think one of the questions that we kind of or didn't get to, but was like, why, you know, why, why did I come to Kentucky? And yeah. honestly, like if you would have asked me five years ago, I would have been, you know, finishing up my degree or whatever. I would have been, like, oh, I'm going, I'm not going to stay. And it's not because I think I'm from a very small town. I, I went to school in Michigan too, which was um, not close, not super close to home, but I, I didn't know the opportunities that were ahead for me. And I think Lexington itself, but then UK, like I've, I was able to build my own home and my own group of people here. And I think, you know, us being support staff, like <laughs> the athletic trainers and strength and conditioning and dietitian, like we stick together and it's, mm -hmm. we're such, it's such a great team aspect that like, I couldn't imagine, I could, one, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else, but um, just, yeah, I mean, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it sure has. So with this position, what's your vision for your roles and responsibilities moving forward? Obviously you, you might be taking on, what did you say? Overseeing stunts and rifle was another yes. one. Mm -hmm. Then your main sports being volleyball and our basketball programs. But what what's your vision for, for your job here moving forward? You know, I think really um, one, one thing that like, as great as the kitchen is over here, you know, in Nutter, um, we don't have like, sure they could they could walk or ride drive over there and we don't know i i don't From know how craft is what you're saying yeah yeah so i think just like bringing you know more um opportunities to kind of like develop those skills so like we could do like you know um learn how to cut a bell pepper like stations like that and stuff over at joe craft in our space where 
Um, they can still um, learn those things if they don't ever come to Nutter, but really just honing in on the education system or plan and making sure that it's it's always a part of their year yep. here. Because um, I think, I just think that's, it's so important. And that's the start. Like, just because someone tells you to do something doesn't mean one, you might do it, sure. But like, if you don't understand why you're doing it, then there's no, they might not see the value or, you know, there's no worth in it. So why, why, why am I doing this? Because my, my coach tells me, you know, whatever. So I think laying that foundation of education is like the really really big thing that I want to do for those, those teams over there. I think revisiting the education part of it as well, where it's not just, we talk to, to them once about uh, whether it's nutrition based, strength conditioning based, you know, leadership based. It's like, it's something that needs to be on a calendar that we're reviewing. Maybe yes. it's not the same. It's not every May we're talking about this. Maybe it is who knows, but I think oftentimes things are forgotten with people yeah. like myself that have been here for however many years since 2006, where I'm like, oh, we covered that in 2018. Well, shoot, nobody on our team, it was nobody on our current team was here in 2018 when we talked yeah. about this. And I, so we have to revisit things and make sure that we talk through our macros, make sure we talk through why we're doing power cleans, make sure why we talk through why we're doing bod pod and what we're mm -hmm. looking at and making sure that the students, student athletes understand that or in our bought into that, that why of why we're yes. doing all this. So yeah, refreshers for sure. I mean, even like, you know, we're required every year to get CEUs, you know, like just as you, I, is it, is it a CEU for yep, you yep, guys? CEU, yeah. yep. Like, I mean, we have to completely like always maintain that. And I think like we can't expect our, our athletes to remember something the first time we tell them, um, especially because I think for, you know, for nutrition, it's such a difficult topic to discuss in terms like, I don't know. I don't want to say like simply or plainly because it can be, but there are so many factors outside influencing it, right? Like mentally, emotionally, socially, socioeconomic status wise, you know, like there's so many things that can play into it that, um, and like, and specifically for, for most people and for like our student athletes, the one thing that they really get to control is what they're eating, right? Like they don't get to tell you what time they're coming in for practice. They don't get mm -hmm. to just show up to class whenever they want. They've got the scheduled thing. And so eating for them is very, um, that just it's on they, them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think making it in a way that's, you know, establishing that education and, you know, in a way that they can understand it and make it easier for them is, is the goal. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, That's it's one thing I've always thought about your all's job as dietitians, where I get to say, we are lifting at this time. We're going to lift for this long. We are going to the, do these sets and reps at this percentage. But from even from a, you know, an athletic training standpoint for volleyball, Katie Poole is there when they do their rehab. She's mm -hmm. there when they, um, she's there to tape their ankles. They don't have to tape their own ankles. Yeah. But from a, from your all standpoint as dietitians, you're not there yeah. every time they put something in their mouth. You're right. not there. Um, they don't have a help. set practice time. Yeah. To, yeah. 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 It's hard, but it's, it's fun. That's like, I mean, it's, it's a fun thing to balance because then, you know, it's not this, you know, it's not routine and, um, I guess for us to like learn how to educate them. But um, I think that's like, 
I don't know that. Yeah, that's the challenge, I think, of the job specifically with, I mean, with anybody, it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if they're an athlete. I mean, you know, like when you're younger and your mom tells you to vacuum or like do a chore and you're just like, no, I don't want to. Like, if I sit here and tell someone that that's, this is all they can eat, or this is what they need to eat, which I'm not one of those. I'm definitely, uh, my philosophy is, you know, all food fits and we can make it work um, unless there's, you know, serious issues that we need to take into consideration, but living by that 80, 20 rule, which I know you and I have discussed and mm-hmm. which you can apply to a lot of things in your life, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard because we're not there to spoon feed them every meal or kind of going off this topic. And it's something we discussed as a performance unit a month or two ago, but note meal, have you used note meal very much with the teams that you're working with? I have with a few athletes. Yes. And there's, I'm still, it's actually a very um, detailed platform, still learning. Um, but what's really great though, is like, you can either do it by um, macros or by exchanges. So if um, I know recently I've, I've worked up like an exchange plan on it and used it for an athlete where basically it's, it's separated into categories, right? Like eat 15 of these grain items that, that they had preferenced. So, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I love brown rice. I love, um, I don't know. I love Chick-fil-A sandwiches, but I like the multigrain brioche, but you know, like, so like putting, putting that on there for them and breaking it down. So that's really awesome. Um, but yeah, the platform is wonderful. It generates meal options for you. And then you can go in and, you know, add specifics to, oh, this person hates this food, make sure that's not in it. Um, and then you can design it completely yourself too, but definitely saves us time in terms of meal plans because I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but I think if <laughs> you probably ask any dietitian, making a meal plan for somebody where you are actually writing it all out is like their least favorite thing to do. Oh, I bet that's, <laughs> that's miserable. It's so, it's very monotonous, but, yeah. <laughs> but well, yes, awesome it's a great to- platform to have. Awesome. Well, we've been going for about, I know I told you between like 20 and 40 minutes. I think we're on the <laughs> over the 50 minute mark. So we'll cut I it there. Know. But okay. I appreciate you coming on and talking with me. Great conversation. Yes, Everybody, thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Everybody out there listening, if you got any feedback for us, don't hesitate to email us at ukstrength at uky.edu. Thanks and go cats.